This week we conclude our excursion into John chapter 6. We've been reading from it for the most part for the last five weeks, knowing of course last week uh, we took a break for the celebration, the solemnity of the assumption. But as we come to the conclusion of John chapter 6, we encounter this, this line uh, from, from so many of the disciples, right, that Jesus hear them saying, this saying is hard, who can accept it? And here Jesus hears them murmuring. Once again, over here that word murmuring, we should automatically make a connection uh, with the Israelites in, in the desert, that they too uh, murmured. But why is this saying hard? Why is this saying hard? What are they talking about? What they're actually talking about, for the most part, is going to be coming from John 6, verse 54 to 56, which we would have read last week, but once again, we, we skipped over because of the assumption. So I just want to go back and, and read that part of John 6. This is what it says. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. So there's two things right away that we could probably find out that's very hard to believe about this. First off, we have to remember he's talking to a, to a Jewish community. He's actually in the synagogue uh, in Capernaum when, when he is saying this. And so he's speaking to, to a Jewish community. And we always remember for the Jewish community in the, in the Old Testament, the law of Moses is going to be that anytime you deal with blood, it's actually going to make you impure. And so it's, you know, I, I know it kind of sounds weird, but, you know, blood is icky for, for the Jewish uh, people. But even more than, than icky, it is uh, sacrilegious to get, to get near any type of blood, including human blood. We see an example of this with the example of the, the Good Samaritan. Remember uh, the person that is uh, beat and left on the side of the road on the way down to Jericho. And the Levite and the priest, they all pass by. And they actually pass by on the other side so that they're not being made impure as they're going up, you know, to, to Jerusalem, going to the temple. Uh, and so we can see that the Jewish people have this great aversion to blood. And yet, what is Jesus saying? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Well, that just does not make sense to them. This teaching is hard. This saying is hard. Who can accept it? We always have to put everything in context. And we know that it's not just John 6, 54 to 56. It's all of John chapter 6 and the whole Bible as well. And so we go back to the soul. Remember, what is John 6 kind of be doing? In the beginning, it's the feeding of the 5,000. That he feeds 5,000 men, not including women and children. So it shows that Jesus can provide for all of our needs. And then immediately from that, he goes into speaking about the, the, the Israelites in the desert. And is saying, you ate the man in the desert and they gave you life, but the bread that I will give is my flesh and it will give you eternal life. And actually, when we get to verse 54 of John chapter 6, something amazing happens. Jesus uses a different word for eating. All before this, it uses the common word 
to, to eat. Now, it's a Greek word that we can use two different words. A common way of eating is going to be phagin, right? To, to phagin, so we're going to eat a piece of bread. We're going to eat our cinnamon toast crunch cereal in the morning. Hmm, it's delicious, right? We, we, we eat that. But then in John 6, 54 and beyond, the next, you know, five, six verses, Jesus uses the word trogan. And to interpret that actually means to, to gnaw. So Jesus is saying, we miss this in the English, but this is what Jesus is saying in the Greek. Whoever gnaws on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Now that is offensive. But that's the only thing we, we know about. How can someone truly uh, accept this? And yet we know that later on, what is Jesus going to do? Well, we have the Last Supper. And what does it say? Take this, all of you, and gnaw of it. Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body given up for you, right? This is my blood given up for you. Whoever drinks this will have eternal life. And so we see him say that at the Passover, that he is the sacrificial lamb, and then he gives up his body for us. Now, something amazing happens here as well. Jesus goes on in John chapter 6, and it's, it's verse 62, 62 and 63. What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? You see, when we receive Jesus Christ truly present in the Eucharist, we're not receiving someone who is dead. We are receiving someone who is alive. Because yes, he died on the cross, but then he resurrected, and then he ascended into heaven. And when we receive him, we are receiving his resurrected body. Do you see the difference? Let's use an example again. You're going to go to the state fair, you're going to get a big turkey leg, you're going to gnaw on it, right? Well, that turkey's dead. At least I hope it is, right? It's dead, right? When we receive Jesus Christ and we gnaw on him, when we receive him, he's alive. Do you see? Like, I know it's so obvious, but it's so amazing. We are receiving the living God who becomes part of us. Use another example. When someone is sick and they go to the hospital, sometimes they start losing blood. What do they do? A blood transfusion. Why? Well, to give that person life. When we come and receive Christ, we're receiving the body and the blood that becomes part of us. We are changed, not just in this physical way, but for eternal life. St. John Paul II speaks of this, by the way. And it's in his last encyclical that he wrote. It's in 2004. We know that he, he passed away in 2005. But his last encyclical was on the Eucharist. And I think that's so appropriate. And he speaks about the Eucharist and the resurrection. This is what he says. In the Eucharist, we also receive the pledge of our bodily resurrection at the end of the world. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The pledge of the resurrection comes from the fact that the flesh of the Son of Man given as food is his body and its glorious state after the resurrection. With the Eucharist, we digest, as it were, the secret of the resurrection. 
And so when we come and receive the body and blood of Christ, knowing that the, the blood is part of, of, of the host as well, right? Fully blood and, uh, body and blood, even though we're not receiving from the chalice, we know all of Jesus is there. When we come and receive, once again, we're receiving someone who is alive and in that resurrected state. And then because of this, we now have what? Food for the journey. Food for eternal life. The Eucharist is the source and summit of our life, of our Catholic faith, but that also means of our life. This is the crux of the Catholic teaching. Our dear Protestant, you know, brothers and sisters, the fellow Christians, they don't, they don't believe this. They only believe uh, that the Eucharist, you know, it's, it's a symbol. This is what Jesus is referring to. No, no, no. We believe that Jesus truly is present uh, in, in the Eucharist and how amazing it is. What a great gift it is. And that's why we come every single weekend to receive him, to receive in a certain sense, I know it's a horrible analogy, but this transfusion of God that we're able to share in his divinity. And so when we come and we hear that word, the body of Christ, we say amen, which means I believe. I believe. And it's a great gift that we're able to understand a little bit about uh, the, the Eucharist. It's St. John Vianney who says, um, if we actually knew and understood the fullness of the Eucharist, our heart would explode in joy and in love. And this is St. John Vianney saying it. So he's saying not even I, him, truly understood. But hopefully these past, you know, four or five weeks, we've come to a greater understanding of what is we believe of the Eucharist and what a great gift it is to us as well. But we may open ourselves up to receive the living God, which is doing what? Helping us on that eternal journey home. It's giving us food from heaven so we may be with this great God who wants us to be with him in heaven. I want to end with a very simple quote, and it's from St. Pius X. Uh, St. Pius X was, was a pope uh, from 1903 until about 1914. He passed away about 10 days after the beginning of World War I, so right around that time. But before St. Paul Pius X, uh, the Eucharist was kind of reserved to only be received, you know, once or twice uh, a year. It was something that you would, you know, have to uh, almost, you know, knock down the door to, to receive. But he said, why are we doing this? The Eucharist is a gift that Jesus wants to give of himself freely. And so it really promoted people starting to receive the Eucharist, not only on the weekends, uh, on Sunday, but at daily Mass as well. It really promoted Eucharistic adoration. He promoted 40 hours of, of adoration in different ways. And the reason for it is because he knew that the Eucharist truly was Jesus Christ. But this is his quote. Holy Communion, so the Eucharist, is the shortest and safest way to heaven. The Eucharist is the shortest and safest way to heaven. And so when we come and receive him today, truly present, Jesus Christ alive, we know that what we're doing is receiving that food 
for our way to join God in heaven.